We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Burgundy Gold today here on the Team 980, streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Scott Jackson with you as... Doc is out today. Be back with us tomorrow. Our pleasure now. We're going to get to the football part of the combine. We'll hear from Ron Rivera later this hour. We'll get back to this ESPN report on Dan Snyder as well from Don Van Nott a little bit later on. But uh, Do- yeah, Joe DeLeon is going to join us right now from the Believe podcast, uh, host on Believe, and of course talks NFL draft and good enough to give us some time today. Joe, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm excited for these drills to kick off. I'm just uh, eagerly waiting to see how everything turns out this week, but just doing great that it's now finally draft season. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what, what do you make, Joe, of all this discussion that the Combine has, you know, kind of lived out its usefulness because of the players, you know, working out in their own home campuses? Uh, obviously, there's some staffs now that are not going to participate uh, in the combine, you know, although they'll have, uh, you know, certainly front office people there, but coaching staffs aren't going to come. Uh, do, do you? I mean, the NFL's highly invested in this thing. I, to me, I don't think it's going anywhere. But what, what are your thoughts on kind of the heat the combine's been taking recently? Yeah, we we might have some guys who choose not to participate in drills, and I think that there's always been a history of that. But sure. what can't be replaced with the combine is the individual interviews that happen behind the scenes and all the medical rechecks that are so important for prospects that have long-term injuries or sustain significant injuries throughout their careers. And I think with the things that are behind the scenes that we as fans and even as media don't get to see, of course, we're going to sit here and say like, Oh, these guys aren't testing. There's no value in this. Yada, yada, yada. But the flip side is I'm saying here, those things need to happen. We can't have those things happen as in depth, during the pro day circuit because it's a little bit more of a whirlwind. There's a lot more traveling involved. Not every coach and team personnel can make it to every single pro day. Uh, and they have less time, obviously, to do some of these interviews. A little bit more scheduled, regimented at the combine. So there's still a ton of value for the things that we might not be witnessing. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, we are uh, talking again to uh, Joe DeLeon. He is a college football and draft analyst. Uh, you can check him out on Believe Network as well. Good enough to join us here on Burgundy Gold today via the BeckQL guest hotline. All right, Joe, quarterbacks is always the big one, right? Like this is why people come there. Most of the time the quarterbacks say, hey, we're not throwing here, we're not doing this, we're doing that. Bryce Young among those not doing anything. Uh, you know, not surprisingly, Alabama, you know, can always has very large pro days. It's always the place to be. But what about the other quarterback prospects uh, in this draft? Will, will they participate, and, and how valuable could that be? 
Yeah, one that was really intriguing to me and that I'm excited who will be participating is Anthony Richardson. And I had been saying coming into the week that if, if Richardson tests, he might have the best combine ever for a quarterback uh, in terms of the athletic testing. And then getting to see him throw is going to be really, really important. Will Levis, it seems like, is going to be throwing as well. And then C.J. Stroud said a while ago on the Pat McAfee show that he was expecting to throw uh, during the drills but not necessarily do the athletic testing. So the important guys are going to be throwing. They're going to be running for the most part which is really, I think, key for creating some separation amongst the class. I think for C.J. Stroud, we know how consistent of a passer and the the talent that he has uh, in terms of his his arm talent that he can establish himself as maybe the de facto number one quarterback or at the very least the confirmed second quarterback in the grouping. And then outside of that, Will uh, Will Levis and, and Anthony Richardson, I think, really need to use this this week and their performance to show that they don't have the deficiencies that we think that they have with throwing the football. Can they finish the, the day with mm-hmm. a strong day in terms of how many passes they have completed? Are they not throwing any errant balls? Uh, are they not all over the place with a lot of their passes that they're trying to hit some of these receivers on? I think that's going to be really important for, for guys like Richardson and Levis. How cons- how real are the concerns or the ta- or the discussions uh, about Bryce Young's size? Not just his height, but also just his overall weight, his build. Is he, is he slight? Is he really cut out for uh, being a, a dual threat quarterback at the NFL level? For me, I don't I don't have as much concern with his size, but I, I do understand that the old school style of thinking from a lot of coaches that that say that there is an issue with him having a smaller frame. I think the position's just played so differently than it has been in the past. We're not really looking for those six foot five, two hundred and forty pound guys that are statues and don't move in the pocket. Instead, I think a guy like Bryce Young serves uh, the current level of the NFL, assuming he can bulk up and add a little bit more weight. I, I assume that he's probably gonna weigh in at like one eighty five, one ninety but for him to get up to 205 is going to be crucial for him having a long-term career in the NFL. We saw him get banged up this past year uh, at Alabama, but he was able to finish the season. I think to avoid that in the future and maybe calm some of those concerns is adding some more weight to his frame by the end of his rookie season. But you get a lot of really nice things that make him an exciting prospect, which is the reactiveness, the decision-making. Um, I think that he's the quickest and best decision-maker out of any of the prospects at the quarterback position in this class, he just happens to be a little small. And if we're willing to overlook that and realize that he's got a lot of talent and he's got a lot of upside, he's a total gamer, um, then I think that we're going to get a, a guy who steps in right away and has an immediate impact for an NFL franchise. We're talking to uh, Joe DeLeon from uh, Believe Podcast. You can uh, check him out there. Also, of course, a NFL and college football analyst as we're getting ready for the Combine getting underway in Indianapolis with us here on Burgundy and Gold today via the Team 980. All right, so the 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 best grouping, do you think, position-wise in this draft is what? For me, it's, it's along the defensive line, and I think it's a close tie between defensive tackle and edge. There's a lot of really good talent at the top for both position groups as well as some really good depth. I look at Fred specifically, Will Anderson leading the group, followed by Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, Miles Murphy, Will McDonald. A lot of names that I think are good enough to go in the first round. And then there's some good depth a little bit later on uh, with, with Derek Hall, with guys like Nick Hampton from App State. And then at defensive tackle, 
we look at all these very uh, twitchy and, and powerful guys that I think could establish themselves as high early impact players depending on the team that they go to. And of course, Jalen Carter leads that group as a likely first or first drafted defensive player rather amongst the defensive tackles. But we still have players like Brian Brzee from Clemson, who's just a big, massive body, a former highly rated recruit coming from Clemson. And then Kalijah Canty is an interesting name from Pitt, who at six foot, 280 pounds, a really small player for, for a defensive tackle, but he has the strength as if he was 340 pounds and is so low to the ground and quick that makes him very difficult to block. So he's somebody one I'm paying attention to at the combine. But in general, there are three to four guys, I think, for both position groups that are good enough to be drafted in the top 15. And then throughout the draft, there's just such fantastic depth at that mm-hmm. position, at both those positions, that it's definitely defensive tackle on edge. All right, so let me put, be selfish here and go to positions of need for the commanders. Um, how do you see the offensive line for starters uh, in terms of depth, and is it strength at tackles, is it strength at guards, centers, et cetera? How do you see that? I think this offensive line group is it, it's okay overall. I think at tackle we've got a lot of uh, really interesting names to pay attention to, including Paris Johnson Jr. and Peter Skaronsky is the top two. Uh, Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, Skaronsky from Northwestern. But then there are some question marks on Broderick Jones from Georgia, who's a little bit more raw. Uh, there are some questions on guys like maybe Jalen Duncan from Maryland, if he can sneak his way into, into the end of the first round or somewhere on day two. It's very weak at guard because outside of Osiris Torrance and Steve Avila for me and maybe Cody Mock, uh, I think the group thins out really quickly from having guys that could develop and become starters to just mostly backup players. And then at center, there's a lot of really intriguing talent at the top because we've got a couple of guys that are more veteran players that I think are going to plug in right away and, and have a high impact in Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas or John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. And then on top of that, we get Luke Whipler and Joe Tippman, Tippin from Wisconsin, Luke Whipler from Ohio State, who are on the younger side have really nice traits, are athletic, move really, really well, have good power and raw strengths for the position, maybe need a little bit more refinement, but could be really highly impactful players as well early on in their careers. And outside of that, though, it does start to thin out additionally similar to the way that it does with guards. So if there is a strength amongst the, amongst the offensive line, it's a tackle. I think there's going to be a lot of tackles that get bumped inside into guard this year because there's a lack of guard talent, but it definitely, it definitely leans heavy at, at, uh, at tackle. Right. So the the other uh, area of uh, certainly of need here is cornerback. How do you see the corners? Is this something that you could you have to handle? Do you think in the first round, or is it something that you can wait on? I think it's something you can wait on, and I foresee that because there's not necessarily an alpha dog amongst the corners, and instead it's it's a lot of guys that are very close in grade, especially for me. Uh, there's going to be a run in the back half to the middle of the first round, and then a lot of guys are going to slide into the second round and make it really uh, easy for teams that need defensive backs and corners to draft them early on in the second round. And amongst those names, we've got Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, Keely Ringo from Georgia, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, and then Clark Phillips from Utah is one who uh, I want to keep an eye on, who's a little bit undersized, but has just been so productive and dominant in his time at Utah. And I think some teams are going to overthink him a little bit. He's got a little bit of Tredavious White in him in terms of not being that big, but still just being so physically dominant and has a lot of ball production too, which makes him exciting. But 
Uh, with all those guys in mind, not all of them are going to go in the first round, but once mm-hmm. the first one goes, there's probably going to be a run of three to four that go consecutively or within a few picks. Yeah, because that's certainly we're, we're looking here at this Washington team, offensive line, corner, certainly a, a big part of what they're going to be looking at. In terms of, like, is there somebody for you that would be a worthwhile day three quarterback that somebody you project, you know, from that time down to four through seven range that, that could be somebody worth a flyer? Maybe they're not somebody you would expect to play, you know, in year one or year two, but somebody worth, you know, at least just getting on your roster and start developing. Yeah, admittedly, this class to me doesn't really have any of that developmental talent Mm -hmm. for starter upside as it sometimes always does. And I think the transfer portal has has drastically changed that because a lot of times guys like – a good example is Grayson McCall is somebody I would have brought up. But someone like Grayson McCall who entered the portal and then ended up going back to Coastal Carolina – I would have considered to be developmental, has some good traits, could be a backup, and then maybe sneak his way into being a starter if a, if a starter goes down ahead of him. But if I were to pinpoint some later round guys, one guy I think that shines the most is Jake Hainer from Fresno State, who he had a, a really, really nice senior bowl performance. He was far and away the best guy at the senior bowl. But most likely, I see him as a long-term backup in the NFL. I see him as somebody who is just going to stick around on a roster because he seems like a really smart kid, very strong decision-maker, physically doesn't have any tools that you're you're wowed by, but just gets the job done. And that's what you want with a backup quarterback. That's what made Brock Purdy so, uh, so easy to plug and play for the 49ers sure. is that he stepped in and he was even keel, wasn't too high or too low, and just got the job done and helped his team win. And I think Jake Hayner could, could maybe be that guy if he needs to step in if there's an injury. That's good to know. Um, as as we get closer to uh, this, too, I mean, how, how, is there anybody you see that's really going to get the chance to either go flying up a board or somebody that may could go crashing down? I mean, obviously we see this every year. I think one name that is going to get a lot of attention over the process and especially might open some eyes uh, during, the, during the combine is, is Kalijah Canty, who I brought up earlier from Pitt, because he's, he's really undersized, as I mentioned. He's six foot, he's 280. And I think that some people might question his measurables, but once we see him test and we see that he's a, a, an athletic freak and he's right. really strong, and I know that a lot of people love to bring up Aaron Donald being a, <laughs> yeah. a shorter, stouter Pitt defensive tackle, but there's some some comparisons that could be made there because of just how low to the ground he is and how difficult he is to block. And I, I, I've seen Fancy brought up on some mock drafts. I think Mel Kuyper had him in the top 10, but I, I don't see him on a lot of other ones where he's considered to be a top 15 pick. And I think the combine for him particularly could really benefit him. Uh, so for me, he's one guy I'm, I'm paying attention to during this process. All right. Well, should be should be fun to see it all unfold here over the next week uh, to eight days. I guess eight days now. Is that right? Uh, well, it's it's kicking off at the at the end of this uh, at the end of this week with the actual drill starting on Thursday, going until Sunday. Okay, it's like six days, not even eight. Okay, that's good to know. All right, I was, I mean, <laughs> but they did show up today, right? Players showed up yesterday and today, and obviously all the coaches are there today. We're seeing all them uh, come yeah. through and talk. And for all the hoopla about who may not be there, I've seen a lot of the main coaches there. I mean, I've seen Andy Reid. I've seen Doug Peterson right. talk already. I mean, it seems like all the main guys are there. 
Yeah, it's, it, right now, and I, I in in our office, I've got flipped on the the NFL yeah. Network where they're interviewing every single general manager, and there's a headline from every word that they say. Uh, if if there's enough of an indication of a a possible speculation, which is, uh, I think the craziest part about the combine that doesn't get talked about enough, where we we overanalyze the heck out of what some of these GMs and coaches say sure. over the first few days. Uh, but yeah, that's the extent of it. I think for the beginning of it, I'm, I'm more excited to see what these players have to say, and um, you always get some fun answers and some exciting interactions between them and the media. Yeah, and Pete Carroll's there as well. All right, hey Joe, thanks so much for your time. And again, you can hear Joe on the Believe Network, uh, college football and NFL analyst Joe, Joe DeLeon. Thank you so much for your time today. Of course, thanks for having me. All right, Becky, well. Uh, Guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. I appreciate Joe joining us. We will um, we'll get back to uh, some of this stuff from the combine, from what Ron Rivera had to say today. Uh, his his uh, answer to JP Finley's question from uh, 106.7 and uh, NBC Sports about you know how the ownership situation right now, the uncertainty with it, will impact the team's free agency. So we'll get to all that coming up. It's Burgundy and Gold today. Scott Jackson with you here. Team 980 streaming live and always free on the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back here on Burgundy Gold today. Scott Jackson with the Team 90 streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Thanks to Joe DeLeon from Believe Podcast talking a little combine with us. Commanders announced a bunch of uh, moves today and their staffing. Really, the only new person, if I'm reading this correctly, is Tavita Pritchard, who's been named the quarterback's coach. Comes in from Stanford. Uh, he had been there with several roles, played quarterback at Stanford back in the late 2000s, or, well, not late 2000s, late 2006 to 2009. Uh, joined the staff as a graduate assistant in 2010, was a defensive assistant as well, and has been the offensive coordinator from uh, 2018 to 2022 there before now becoming the quarterback's coach here. With the uh, commanders, Ken Zampezi has now moved into a new role as senior offense advisor slash game management 
Uh, Brent uh, Visselmeyer, Visselmeyer, easy for me to say, has been promoted promoted to the role of defensive backs coach. Richard Rogers has been promoted to role of senior defensive assistant safeties. And Christian Garcia has been promoted to the role of assistant defensive backs Nichols coach. Nichols coach. So a lot to say that basically Pritchard's the new piece of the staff. Yeah. And a lot of other people have been moved around. I don't know if there will be more additions, but this is a very lengthy release that I'm looking at here today on the assistant coaches uh, being added to the staff. Uh, look, I, I'm not trying to be cynical here, but I am. I am cynical, so I can't help it. But the fact that the Rob Payne thing was waiting for us when we woke up this morning, um, that this gets dropped in the middle of the S-storm um, on Snyder, it just, it just all reeks of just like, change the topic, please, anything but this. Oh, man, it's just crazy. But, yeah, it's, it's not going to. Sorry. But we will get to football here because I want to hear what Ron Rivera thinks about this stuff. Now, he's not going to tell you what he thinks about the story because I'm sure he didn't want to talk about that and won't talk about that. But, like, how does this impact for you? I, I keep hearing this business-as-usual stuff, and it's hard to take it at face value. Now, I hope they're correct. I hope it is. And whatever business as usual means, by the way, I mean, because when you think of business as usual, this franchise, that does not usually pop up like positive thoughts of like successes or like business as usual, like, yeah, this well-oiled, you know, machine or anything. I mean, it, business as usual is kind of what we've been dealing with the last 40, you know, 24 hours, which is it's crazy ass stories about the owner who needs to get the hell out of here. That's what we think of business as usual. But anyway, from the football side of things, here was the coach earlier with J.P. Finley from uh, 106.7 and, and NBC Sports on what the heck this all will imp- – how the heck all this will impact, you know, free agency in the offseason. I'm going to stick to football. Yeah, that's what we're here for. So let's talk football then. With all of the ownership questions, and Jason kind of talked to those at Eric, the Eric B. Enemy Presser, how does that impact your attack for free agency? It doesn't, and that's one of the really neat things about it. You know, it's again, and I've said this over, you know, probably within the last month, is I've gotten a lot of support on the things that I've wanted to do from ownership. What, what we do for the most part is we put our plan together. Uh, I've met with them. I've let them know exactly what we're doing, and they've been very supportive. So they go out and do the things you need to do. So that's all we're going to do. You and Martin talked about the budget at the end of season meeting. Yep. Philosophically, how do you intend to approach free agency this year? Big spenders trying to find bargains? Well, it's going to be a little bit of both. You know, we, we obviously got to take care of our own first, and, and we want to try and get those guys taken care of first. And then we'll move into, into free agency with probably uh, fair deals. And uh, then hopefully we'll set ourselves up so where we get to the draft and we can do what we want to do as opposed to what we have to do. What are the biggest areas you think need to be addressed? Well, we're, we're, we're going through it. You know, we know where we want to look. We really do. And, and, and we feel comfortable that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna address some of those needs through free agency, and then we get in the draft, and we use assets there to, to to fill out the rest of it. After spending some time with Eric, do you still anticipate you guys being a run-first offense? I anticipate Eric running the the offense the way he, he feels best for us. Um, and again, it's not necessarily run-first. I think what Martin said people took out of context is we didn't get a chance to explain it because everybody was so excited. You guys tweeted it out and got it out there that we want to be two-to-one run. What you want to do is you want to get yourself in a position where you're balanced. You get into the fourth quarter you got to lead, and then you grind it out. That's really what that can, comes from. So just so we understand, you know, you're going to play balanced football to score points. you got that lead in that fourth quarter. You can become 2-1 to one as far as run, run the pass is concerned. So that's what we're going to do as far as that's concerned. 
what Eric's going to do is come in and he's going to install the offense and, and look at what we have as far as talent. And then each week he'll devise the offensive game plan to, to, to fit attacking our opponent. So there you go. The last part's very refreshing because that's the way it should be. I mean, if you bring Eric Bieniemy in here, let him run the offense as he sees fit. Uh, don't you know? Put your, you know, you know, put your finger on it unless you want to run the offense yourself. You know what I mean? I mean, let let him do what he sees fit to the talent. So that's good to hear. Um, look, Martin Mayhew said what he said. I mean, yeah, he cleaned it up afterwards. Was it was it the media's fault that it got out that way? No. I mean, he, he said, again, as you saw, this last game, here's the quote, we were two-to-one run pass. For every time that we threw the ball, we ran the ball twice. That's how we want to play. We weren't able to play that way early in the season with Carson. And, again, this is you know part of the narrative that because of the Brian Robinson injury, they weren't allowed to run the football, which is ridiculous because – you kept guys in your roster. You had one guy who you, you kept on the practice squad of the year that you showed at the end of the year because was very capable in Patterson. You know, you had Jonathan Williams all year. You could have run. And you had Gibson. Uh, you could have run the ball. I mean, it's just whatever. I mean, this wasn't what the strength of what they thought Carson Wentz was about. Nobody was respecting Carson Wentz as a runner either. So, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, anyway, what, whatever. I'm tired of nitpicking this stuff because it's just it's silly. And then to keep going back and doubling down on everybody else is wrong except for us is just ridiculous. But whatever, whatever makes you feel better. But okay, it was the the beginning part was yeah we're gonna do a little bit of both. Whether it's be big spenders, you know, look for you know look for bargain basement deals. Then he said we're gonna get fair deals. Fair deals is not big spenders, and I don't anticipate they'll be big spenders because again about what we've discussed over and over about a a cash poor owner, a revenue that's not there, and the fact that they haven't really done that anyway with this group. And by the way, the few times they've swung big, they've missed big, right? So. It would make sense they would probably be a little bit more conservative. And, you know, yesterday's big savings with the Wentz release, most of which has obviously now gone to, you know, a place card, a placeholder, if you will, for Deron Payne at this point, which is smart because you should make sure that he's here. You've got to make sure he's here. Now you have time, hopefully, you know, these, you know, these owners finally have had enough is enough that they can get this thing to, to happen quicker. And, you know, obviously get any cooperation from, from the guy here to get this sale figured out prior to July 15th, that would be helpful. And then you have a new guy who maybe has got a chance to, you know, put his stamp on what he wants to do here and how he wants to do it. And maybe that would include, you know, taking care of a, a big piece, um, you know, assuming he's down with that, you know. And this again, I mean, Ron Rivera today can say all his great ideas and what he thinks, but we do know this. There is somebody out there that doesn't think a whole hell of a lot of what he's doing because they were trying to get Sean Payton to jump on board, right? So this sounds good, and it, and it sounds great. Like, oh, cool, just be seamless, and the new guy shows up with all the money. But not necessarily because they're not, they're not believers in Ron Rivera. Why would they sign off on his plan, right? If they think that, you know, he hasn't been doing a good enough job, like 8-8, eight and eight, 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 and one is not like what they're looking for out of the franchise. I'm not saying they're going to make a coaching change because I think it's too late for that. But they may also take a wait and see approach with some of these things. Like, okay, let's see if Deron Payne's worth that. Let's make him play another year on it. Then we'll get to it in the off season. You know, or maybe you know, maybe that maybe they're that's the way they look at it. And 
you, you're never going to convince me that even if they loved Derek Carr, they would actually be able to go out and get him this offseason because of what's happened. I think a lot of circumstances have created these very convenient now, oh, yeah, we always liked Sam Howell. We thought he'd be ready in year two. Yeah, 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 that's what we're going to do. We're going to give him the chance to go out. But we'll, we'll bring in some you know, bargain basement veteran here on the, on the flip side. Look, there, there's a lot of things that are not going to be said here. I get it. I mean, he's, he can't betray the person because, goodness forbid, this team doesn't get sold and he's stuck working with this guy longer. Then, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got to watch himself. I mean, look, Jason Wright, very revealing what he said at the Eric Bieniemy thing about seeing nothing but upside on the other side of this thing. And the other side doesn't mean like after Dan fights off, you know, all the reports and all the investigations and he comes out a stronger man and, yeah, there's still nobody coming to the stadium and nobody wants to make us, you know, help him build a stadium. Like that's not, you know, that's the reality. Like even if he wanted to fight to the death here on this thing, there's no good way out. There's nobody who wants to work with him. In regards to a stadium, the most important thing and the thing that these owners, you know, the only thing that moves these guys is money. Only thing, right? It moves them is money in the bottom line. And it hurts all their bottom lines, the fact that D.C. has become, again, bottom third of the NFL in revenues. I mean, that's just embarrassing. Flat out embarrassing. You know, as Jerry Jones said in that revealing interview with our good buddy Jarrett Bell, you know, he, the guy, you know, every day he comes out the door, there's something being thrown at him. And that's not going to go away, just suddenly. And if there was any any you know crazy thoughts that this stuff was going to go away, hopefully the last 24 hours has been a, a huge wake-up call to that for him. Like, no, man, this is not getting any better. Just make it happen, you know. Take your billions and get the heck out of here, please. Please. I mean, just enough is enough already. That's what my big takeaway from all that is. All right, let's get to a little bit from Ron Rivera with the scrum of reporters today. This is more football-related stuff. Uh, They talk about Carson Wentz here. Yeah, he was released yesterday. That was also part of the diversion program uh, yesterday and the Bobby McCain stuff that apparently didn't stick very long. But, yes, Carson Wentz finally released. Uh, You know, (laughs) we could could do it. We could have done three hours on that today. We probably would have had not all this other stuff come down the pike. But, you know, again, whose decision was it is always – you know, I, I don't find it to be a mis- I think it was Ron Rivera's decision. He said that as much. He's been very um, adamant about it. It's his mistake. He has to own it. Two draft picks in the end, gone. Uh, the cap money from last year is what it is. But it was a big mistake. And the worst part of it all, of course, wasn't the initial mistake, but it was doubling down and putting him back on the field against the Cleveland Browns and ending any chance you really had of, of doing uh, at least making the postseason. So here is uh, Ron Rivera today from the Combine on – all things Commanders offseason, including the release yesterday of Carson Wentz. He's a heck of a young man. He's, 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 a, he's a solid man. And, and, you know, want to wish him the best. Really do appreciate everything he did for us, you know, and, and the opportunity that he had coming here. He did the best he could, and we really appreciate that as well. Well, more so than anything else, just showing the commitment to, to, to trying to get him signed and, and, and keep him here. I mean, he's a guy's been very integral into development of this football team and this defense as as well as the other guys that he plays alongside and uh you know we just wanted to make sure everybody understood that uh you know we are serious well you know with uh with eric coming in and you know some guys that he, he wanted to have and you know we talked about the entire staff going forward and and he talked about the direction he wanted to take it um, bringing a guy like Tavita in is a, a guy that uh, has played the position. 
Uh, you know, he's been in one place for a long time, but it's been a pro-style type of offense. Uh, he and Eric have had a relationship, I think, for like the last 10, 10 years. So they're, they're very familiar with each other. Um, and you see it when, you, when we brought Tavita in, sat down, and you know, I visited with him and interviewed him and, and then listened to his philosophies on football and his ideas and stuff. You know, I could see why he and Eric are very similar. A guy in Kansas City has number 15. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, I know he is. No, he was he was very good about. We, we one of the first things we talked about obviously was all of our personnel and listening to him talk about our guys. He had an understanding of, of who we had. He understood. You know, we talked a little bit about Eric, and I told him I'd made a comment that he's going to start out as QB one. He's going to have to earn it. And Eric feels the same way. He likes him. He likes who he is. He likes his skill set. You know, he told me he's a guy that you know that they looked at. At one point, you know, when he was there, so he's familiar with uh, with uh, with Sam. Um, then he talked about the other positions and all the things that uh, you know he felt we could do in getting the ball in those guys' hands. He liked our five skill position guys, so that was a, a real nice conversation we had in terms of all of our different uh, offensive weapons we have. Well, they add to it. I mean, you, you love the fact that he cross-trained. You know, in, in today's world, kids are specializing so much in just one sport that they're not developing the other senses, the, the other athletic traits that you need. Um, it is kind of neat. You know, uh, as far as wrestlers, yeah, certain positions, you, you, you hear that they're wrestlers. You know, it, it, kind of, it, it kind of matters. You know, offensive linemen, particularly centers, nose tackles on the defensive line. You know, those things that, as far as that is concerned, yeah, we think about those things. Very aggressive, very aggressive. Um, you know, he um, he's very thorough, does a very good job. Um, you know, I'm sorry to hear Leslie stepped away. You know, he's a tremendous football coach, and, um, you know, I know he'll be missed, but I, I know he's coming back, so, uh, you know, in a year. But, um, you know, as far as Sean's concerned, very aggressive play caller, uh, always ready. Um, he did a great job for us, and, and because he did a great job for us, he earned the, he earned the Buffalo job. Well, more so than anything else, it's, it's one of the basic plays in the league. Um, more so than anything else, and I know right now we're having discussions in it, on it in the competition committee, and we'll continue to grind through that because it is a discussion that will most certainly come up once we get to the, uh, to the meetings when we get to, the, um, to Arizona. Well, I don't know if people are necessarily against it as much as people are trying to you know, see what the uh, ramifications are going to be going forward. But you have to have a full discussion, and that's what we're looking forward to once we get to Arizona is have a full, full discussion with, uh, with uh, the entire membership. Well, I do know that at one time when we were kicking field goals, there was pushing and there was concern about the injury, you know, the potential for injuries there. So, again, we still have to have that discussion before anything's decided. You know, Darren, for me, um, I, I was set. I, I wanted to coach, and I made that very clear. You know, um, I made it clear uh, two days after I was let go. I wanted to get back into coaching. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I love it. It's what I do. 
And um, you know, I wanted to make sure that people understood that you know I, I'm I'm still I'm still where I am as far as coaching is concerned. Well, I had a month total, um, and for me, I felt that was I really did. I mean, Darren, I I I really like what I do, and, and I I still feel right now, you know, doing the things that we do, where we are as a football team, you know, getting to where I really believe we have, have our head above water now. Um, I feel very confident going forward. Well, if you go back to, to his junior year coming out, you know, this is a guy that had some very good grades on him as far as being draftable. I believe if you go back and you ask some scouts, you know, what their grades are, you're going to see some pretty high grades. Um, you know, I went, that's what I did. I looked at our people's grades and we had some very good grades on him. So uh, we feel very confident in his ability. Secondly, um, things that he showed us over a period of time. You know, he played a lot in the preseason. That was something we did on purpose. Um, we wanted to see him because uh, we liked him that much. Uh, during the season, you know, when, when you watch the practice tape and you just, he just had some moments that just showed you, you know, he's done a really good job and then getting the opportunity against Dallas. Um, you know, I thought he came out and played the type of game that you're looking for as far as the quarterback's concerned. Um, he's got a tremendous skill set, got a good arm, the kind of arm that you do look for. Um, that's, that's one of the things. And again, um, he's not our starter. He's coming in as a QB1. He'll get, he'll get, he'll get a great opportunity to be our starter. Um, but we do want to find a veteran uh, quarterback. You know, we have Taylor Heineke, that's a free agent. That we've got to work through that as well, and then we'll see what happens from there. Well, I think for the most part, you know, Eric has an idea of where he wants to go and how he wants to go through it. Um, these next month and a half will be very important for him. Uh, and the, our offensive staff is, as far as putting it together. Um, you know, he's got all of his material, everything's ready to roll. So now it's a matter of once we get past this week, next week, getting started and getting those things done. Um, I mean, I, not, not really knowing Brian, uh, other than the fact that, you know, they, they, they did a nice job with their roster. You know, they had some really good players when they got there. They added some really good pieces, did a nice job in the draft. Um, you know, he didn't call the offensive plays, apparently, I guess. So, again, I think it's the biggest thing for him was just his leadership, handling the team, the organization. Um, I know coming and changing the culture was something they had talked about. Uh, looked like they did a nice job with that as well. So, again, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's good to see. I mean, it just shows everybody just how strong the NFC East is. Well, I mean, you add coaches, you know, it, it's – I mean, they're a viable, you know, they're a viable competitor. I mean, uh, that's probably the biggest thing is that, you know, when you play New York now, you know, they're going to come to play. I think, you know, he, he grew up from the bottom up. You know, a lot of times guys come in and, you know, they just get opportunities right away. But Sean had to earn his. And so he learned uh, the basics of football from the bottom up. You know, he played well um, when he was at William Mayer, I know that. Um, and then he actually, working with him when I was in Philadelphia on Andy's original staff for five seasons, getting to know him. Um, the one thing I'd say is he, he's, he's a tremendous worker. He does a great job, and you know, he, he, he wants to, to know everything he can about the game. Uh, and he's done a nice job in that. I thought he's, he's done a nice job uh, representing uh, the, the, the Buffalo Bills. 
There you go. That was uh, Ron Vera talking about uh, Sean McDermott there at the end. Uh, when we started getting off, these questions started going everywhere from there. But heard all the stuff on Sam Howell in between, and obviously uh, <laughs> I don't know who asked the question about the Giants staff, but I kind of found that amusing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to take the Giants seriously, especially since they, you know, uh, took you out this year, essentially, of course. Um, so I'd hope so. Anyway, so that was a little bit from today's combine uh, session. You know, again, he's not getting in the salacious Dan Snyder uh, stories. He can't understand that. But I uh, did touch on earlier with J.P. Finley, which we played for you, the question about free agency and how all this stuff will impact them with the ownership, uh, you know, kind of up in the air as to who will be owning this team and if that will even be settled prior to the offseason, which it doesn't look good for that because we're talking about two weeks from now. All right, Burgundy and Gold today. There was some Chase Young news kind of buried in all this avalanche of activity yesterday. Uh, we will get to that coming up and and what it means uh, next year as well here on the Team 980 streaming live on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> Burgundy Gold today here on the Team 90. Scott Jackson, Soliday Doc will be back with us here tomorrow. Hopefully Doc's taking the LeBron James news well. I mean, yesterday he was so excited. I mean, Michael, you saw him, right? He had all his Laker gear. I mean, yeah, he, he was had it all. out in purple and gold, man. Oh, he was busted out. He was so excited about the 12 seed in the Western Conference. And now you get this LeBron James news, man. It could be out for a hey, while. Hey, that's not stopping the NBA from putting them on ESPN and ABC every chance they get. <laughs> no. No, it is not. Oh, how times have changed. The Lakers begging to get in the playoffs. So weird. All right. So there was some news yesterday in between this avalanche of news. You know, we before you left the air, Bobby McCain was cut uh, for cap purposes. Then you had the news later that Carson Wentz was cut. And apparently the delay there was, you know, look, this is uh, – and I know a lot of people are going to be turned off by this, but this is what the reasoning was we were told, was reported. Ron Rivera was hoping to talk to Carson Wentz prior to doing this. The schedules didn't match out. He wanted to do it in person. It didn't happen. Uh, so instead, you know, they had to make the move without that meeting taking place. Like he, he brought him here. He was very supportive of him to a fault, clearly. Um, they were, I mean, look, they insulated the heck out of him. We we all know this. We can go back to how angry they were at Scott Abraham was going to be with us at two thirty from Channel Seven when he did an interview with him and when he you know said what everybody was thinking like this is your last chance to be a starter, bro. <laughs> what do you think? And you know Carson handled it fine. The team went bonkers. You know Ron was very defensive after that Bears game. That story came out that Dan picked Carson right. They get, he got ticked off and he went blue in the in the post game. Then you had of course at the end of the season where he got him back on the field even though uh, it sounded like most of the locker room was begging him not to do it. <sighs> so anyway, not surprising he wanted to do that, you know, to talk to him, but didn't work out. They release him. First time in his life he'll be a free agent. You know, wish him well, what have you. It was a disaster of a trade, right? Two draft picks, didn't work out. So that happened. And you had this post story, um, you know, come out later in the day. You, you had, you know, the pain thing this morning. Um, and obviously the big one with you know ESPN Don Banada's story. Again, he'll be on with Greg Hoffman today at four o'clock. And of course, we've had this coaching staff, you know, additions at this point, which is kind of you know whatever, nothing shocking there. But all of this in between, somewhere around six twenty-five, Nikki Jabalov had tweeted up from the Washington Post: the Commanders Chase Young had seen Doctor Andrews in recent weeks for a checkup. 
and got positive feedback about his recovery from knee surgery, according to a source, a good and necessary step as the commanders decide on his fifth-year contract option. Now, we were discussing this a few weeks ago. I mean, they have some time here uh, to make this decision. I believe it's May. Um, but, you know, you're talking about $17.45 got to pick up for a player who really has not played very much in the last two years. So this is, a t- this is a decision, certainly coming up at some point for them. A significant one, uh, needless to say. It, you know, whether they do this or not. Seems like a huge chunk of money. Really does seem like a huge chunk of money for a guy you haven't seen just enough of. And with the backdrop that you probably, you know, have to. Well, maybe you don't. I, I would think they would go forward with doing something with, with Montez Sweat, who has been more productive and been on the field. Has been... Um, you know, more available at this point, but maybe not. Maybe that's not how they see it. So anyway, they got they got time, but this is interesting uh, that this news has come out. I mean, that's great that the doc says it. You got to see it on the field. You got to he's got to believe it. He's got to be able to stay out there. But the problem is they don't get any more games before they got to make the decision. And you know, if he comes out and blows it up this year and they decline the option, then they're going to be in a pickle in a sense where they you know if they really want to keep him. Then they would have to, you know, play the tag game there, or you know, hope to get something done prior to free agency. But you know, again, the odds of that happening, who you know, probably not the best. And then you know, again, if you're trying to lock in on Deron Payne, you've paid Allen already. And if you want to pay Sweat, does it really make sense to pay another guy that much, that kind of money? I mean, how much money can you have loaded up in your defensive line? Is the other part of this. In the past, we were talking about this with pain, but now it's it's more about what to do with Young. And maybe they get a long-term deal done with pain prior to the start of the season, if you know they can get their ducks in a row with the ownership part of it. Maybe still would suspect it's more likely he goes in on the year on that on that tender, which isn't the worst play. I mean, the Commanders slash Washington Redskins, Washington Football, have not been good at this. Have not had good luck with this tag game, right? They, the Cousins thing didn't work out well. The Sheriff thing didn't work out well. I mean, losing players who have value for compensatory picks is not a good way. You know that that doesn't that doesn't help you in the long run. That's not you're not getting the most value out of those players. It's not the best way to go. It really isn't. But this is kind of how they've how they've operated. They've you know had these op- they've operated like, oh, crap, it's too late. And this is prior administration, obviously, first with the Cousins thing. They got kind of saddled with the sheriff thing. And it's to be fair, you know, again, guards, teams aren't trading for guards, right? They're not trading assets for guards normally. So that makes it a little bit more challenging when it came to sheriff. And, you know, the tough thing with Chase Young is you can make the right decision, right, and then still – end up looking bad in the end if he goes somewhere and ends up playing. But, I mean, if he doesn't produce here next season and you didn't pick up the option, okay, no harm, no foul. You, but it was still a second overall pick in a draft. But, you know, this happens. I mean, it's part of the business of drafting. You miss him and you just got to move on and make the best of it and not uh, not wallow in it. But, I, you know, the idea that they pick up the option and somehow he has a good year and then you trade him, I don't know, that's, that seems pretty far-fetched. And, again, that's a big number. You know, it's a big number. Uh, of 17 plus for a guy who's you know missed the better parts of the last two seasons. We we'll see how it goes. 
And again, the beauty of some of these decisions are these are not money up front deals, right? Because the problem that they're going to have, whether they want to admit it or not, is the money up front, the bonus money, is going to be the problem until the, you know, until the new person is in here writing checks. Because until that happens, that's going to be a problem. That's why when Ron Rivera says fair deals, he means not, not you know, not big deals, because that's the truth. It's not going to be big dollar deals. They're going to be just, quote, fair deals. They're not going to be some major player in free agency with some high-priced players. And that's not necessarily the worst thing, because as we know, they tend to do better with a lesser, not with the spending bigger. All right, coming up, we'll get in the 2 o'clock hour. We'll talk a little bit more about Carson Wentz, because he spent a lot of time on the other stuff. We'll also hear a little bit more. Uh, we'll set up the Don Van Nana before we get to our man Scott Abraham as well at 2.30. It is uh, Burgundy and Gold today. Doc's out today. Scott Jackson, final hour straight ahead here on the Team 980 streaming live on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.